Vincent Sabonis two-man game inside. Domas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal! They can tie it with a three! Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Chris Watkins here of Sacktown Sports 1140, as always. What's up, Chris? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. You know, uh, we're recording this right after the uh, the Kings lost to the uh, Atlanta Hawks. You know, it just wasn't it, it wasn't in the air tonight. You know, not to not to quote Phil Collins, but uh, well, I guess it was in the air tonight, but for by Phil Collins, but it just didn't feel like it was the Kings' night. And you know, on a on a nasty day outside, it was pretty nasty inside too. Like there was from from the start of the game, like the first five minutes were disgusting, and then. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of. I think Kevin Herter mentioned in his post game press conference that there was just there was just no defense played really for a majority of this game, and uh, it was ugly. It was an ugly one from start to finish, and uh, for the Kings to they kind of didn't deserve to win this one, and uh, you know just just has me feeling a little gloomy. But besides that, all good, all good. Yeah, we did record after, like you're saying right now, we're recording this uh, in Golden One after the loss to the Atlanta Hawks. We did record after the Utah Jazz game. Um, I got a little bit of a new setup so we can actually do this post game. So if there's any slight audio issues or changes, people forgive me. Um, but yeah, we do have a episode that will never be released because was a good one. I screwed it up. It was a good one. Um, this, is the second a good one. one. So this is the second one that we've had that, that has just never been released. And yeah, that's true. These, huh? They're like probably my two favorite oh, episodes yes, we've ever that's recorded. True, that other yeah. one. Yes. <laughs> that yes. was an off season. Wow. I forgot about that <laughs> yeah. other one. Those are my two favorite pods and, and they'll never see the light of day. Never. So. Never. Um, gotta gotta, gotta get a Patreon or something yeah. so you can uh, so you can post those somewhere. somewhere. To actually yeah. Put those up. That, especially that off season one. That yeah. was really funny. That was a good one. Um, so we have a handful of games that like we can kind of talk about, but we'll focus on this Utah-Atlanta back-to-back right now. Um, De'Aaron Fox, what he did in that game yesterday against the Utah Jazz, 22 points yeah. in the fourth quarter of that game, and ends the night with 37 on 15 of 22 with six assists as well. Um only one of five from three to six eight from the free throw line. It looked like tonight that he was kind of on cloud nine coming into yeah. the game. Like oh, yeah. his confidence looked ridiculous. Yeah. Um, this guy's playing out of his mind right now, and I, I think that the All Star conversation is around his name, which I think is good. Uh, we walked through, I mm-hmm. guess, what would be our last episode that that is live um, walked through the all-star case that he and Domas both have at this point. I'm ready to say that Domas should be a lock for the all-star yeah. game. Um, De'Aaron has a tougher route just with the way that it's formatted and having to get in through the backcourt. Uh, DeJounte Murray said post game today that he's always been a big fan of Fox and he really hopes that he can get his first all-star appearance because he knows how that feels. I believe it was last year for DeJounte. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, but the tear that De'Aaron is on right now, like, just what have you kind of seen from from him in this uh, last stretch of games? Yeah, you kind of mentioned it there. It's just the aggressiveness and, like, the confidence that he's having, especially attacking the rim, where it just – it really do- – earlier in the season he joked around uh, – he wasn't joking, but he, he said, uh, it feels like I can get whatever shot I want. And you really see that – I mean, his – 
his uh, his Euro steps, his you know, just the way that he's able to maneuver in the paint has been incredible these past couple games. And you know, to me, it's the finishing. His finishing, I mean, it's always been impressive, especially with his slight frame. But like he's he now has a little bit of a, a bigger frame to him as he's in his what sixth year here uh, in the M- fifth or sixth year here in the NBA. He's finally starting to kind of get stronger than a lot of guys, and you know he he's really utilized that and used it. I think uh, to his advantage. He's been incredible at the rim and just just unafraid. And like his level, the level of difficulty of some of his shots are are crazy, especially for being you know, how, how light he still is. I mentioned his frame, but you know, he's still not that big of a guy. Uh, and for him to be going up in these trees has been really impressive. Also something I'm not personally a fan of, but his mid range game is, is damn near automatic. Yeah. I, the mid range shots, especially Darren loves to take mid range shots, uh, uh, in the closing moments of games. We saw him in Utah. Uh, he, he hit two mid range shots, uh, to really seal that game. Every time they go up, I mean, he, he, I mean, he his his clutch number speaks for himself. He's the leading the NBA in clutch per, field goal percentage. Uh, I believe he's leading the league in clutch points as well. He's looking like Jerry West out there. <laughs> he's looking he's <laughs> damn sure looking like Jerry West out there, Mister Clutch. But uh, just the fact that he's able to hit those mid range shots gives me a heart attack every time he takes it. But he he's been automatic, and and that's the kind of stuff that like you know. Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard—they're experts at hitting. You know, Demar Derozan—they're experts at hitting those mid-range shots, and those are really the shots that you have to hit in clutch time, especially in the playoffs. People are trying to take away the three. They know that De'Aaron's trying to get inside the paint. So if he can get that mid-range game locked in like it is right now for the remainder of this season, that's the kind of thing that's going to get De'Aaron. Uh, you know, if not an all-star, maybe that clutch player of the year accolade or some form of accolade because he he is flat out unstoppable if he's if he's hitting a mid-range shot not to mention his three which has been you know shaky as of late yeah, yeah the midi is automatic like yeah. it, it, you have to backpedal with him and if he could just stop on a dime and rise up like that shot is there all day yeah. um, in that utah game post game coach talked about how deer and literally called off the plays that wow. coach was telling him to run yeah and coach was like he has every right to do that to override me and i want him to be doing that mm-hmm. um but that speaks, just, to, like, the speaks to the confidence to the confidence for sure um and you saw it at the beginning of this game they didn't end up pulling it out um i thought that herder was really good in this game he mm-hmm. hit two huge threes yeah. down the stretch when yeah. it looked like the kings were kind of falling out of it it was tied at one what were oh, we tied it, at? It was here? one. We were tied at 104. Well, for a minute. It was tied at 104, and then, and Atlanta, then Atlanta goes on, on that 7 0 run. Goes up 111, 104. Right. Sack goes on a 12 2 run. Right. Started by a Kevin Herter 3, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Right out the timeout, he hit that jab step from, from oh, way, way downtown, nice. sized him up, and then pulled up on him and, and just drilled it. The funny thing that I want to mention about that time is it felt like the crowd kind of gave up on the team a little bit. It was. There was three minutes to go in this game. Kings down, what was that, seven points? And it was dead silent in here. It, it, was, it was a pretty dead sad run. silent it, in here. I was pretty worried at that point, yeah. though. Like, oh, it, it was it was very concerning, for sure. The, the crowd had every right to be yeah. to be down. And then Kevin Herter, I mean, the second Herter hits that three, I think uh, the next possession they get a stop, Harrison Barnes comes down and hits a layup, uh, and it's a two-point game again. But um, it was – you know, I to, that that definitely stuck out to me. Not the fact that I'm, you know, trying to shit on the crowd or anything like that, but just 
if anything, it speaks to again we've said it before we really you can't give up on this team especially on the offensive end at any point like these guys can score in bunches so quick that really until i mean you you for for people who didn't see the even a game like the the milwaukee toronto game tonight which was under 100 points for a majority of the game and then toronto comes back from 21 down and, and ties it up to end regulation like these guys can get points so quickly that it's really not over until the buzzer is 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 blown. I was going to say the whistle, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the the, uh, the offense is incredibly impressive to me. And uh, Mike Brown talked about a little bit about that in the post game. How the offense fine, dandy if the offense is going well, but until this team finally starts to get some stops, especially down the stretch of games, like they're they're not going to ultimately accomplish shit. Right, they got to be able to get stops. I think I said this on our our last recording that won't see the light of day. <laughs> um, I think they're good enough offensively to win any game. Yeah. I also think they're bad enough defensively to lose any game. Mm-hmm. Um, if people try to ask me pregame of, like, who do I think is going to win tonight, I never know the answer um, because of, of that right there. And, and Davion is somebody that we gave a lot of praise to in our last, uh, our last episode, and he was obviously the best option on Trey Young tonight. Yeah. Um, the maybe we can rehab this conversation that we had before like Mm -hmm. his defensive impact and nobody else being able to replicate that at all yeah really makes me like with trade season approaching and everybody's throwing all these hypotheticals out like I'm a little more hesitant now when Davion's name is mentioned you know yeah no definitely I mean like I was definitely and we talked about this the other day but um you know I was definitely in the it's not that Davion's replaceable because I do think he's a special defensive talent. Like you don't see that kind of grit and determination on the defensive side, especially in today's NBA. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's been exactly what this team needs uh, on the defensive end. Really the only person who's bringing that kind of defensive intensity. And you saw it on a night like tonight where it's like, yeah, Trey Young did not want any level of that physicality. And, uh, you know, I, I completely agree with you. I don't know if I'm going to completely abandon that we don't, uh, right. that, you know, you can't get better at backup point guard than Davion Mitchell, but I would say it's not the most glaring weak point of this team. Clearly the backup center is a huge conversation, but um, I think this team can definitely continue to win ball games with Davion Mitchell at the at the backup point guard and can probably succeed in a playoff series in limited minutes with Davion Mitchell uh, out on the floor. But, you know, in the long run, yeah, if Davion's offense is, is going to continue to kind of be up and down and, and not really something you can rely on, it's it's going to be tough to for the Kings to stick with him no matter how well he does defensively. Um, but tonight was a night where, and especially, you know, in those Utah games, I thought Davion has had a nice little 10, 15 game yeah. stretch here where he's, he's made some really important plays defensively. And, you know, he, he's been okay. I'm not even going to say solid. He's been okay on the offensive end, good enough to where you, you, you can afford to, to play him in a, you know, you, you were telling me before we were recording that people were clamoring for Davion and KZ to be on the floor late in game. I think, Davion's play has kind of justified that mm-hmm. where at, we saw at the start of the season Davion wasn't seeing any sort of crunch time minutes let's have the KZ conversation I guess because social seems right. to be all about this um, he won defense player of the game yesterday yep. in Utah and it's hilarious that how everybody's throwing that back in Mike's <laughs> face now of like you have the reigning defensive player of the game on the bench what are you doing like that is hilarious to me um, that is funny. 
just like flaunting that like it or just talking about it like it's like this huge accomplishment right. uh, yeah, you know exactly. it, it's great I, I love the chain but like it, it's just it's funny wording to me not right. laughing at the people oh, we're gonna who start getting in arguments about who like oh wow yeah. they really gave defensive player of the game chain to hb davion and, and, and kz yeah. have been going to war for that chain these last couple yeah. games i feel like um what do you think of kz not playing in this one like Okay, let's start with this. He hasn't played all game, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that's a different conversation. Yeah. I, I would have played him earlier, right? When right. It, we'll, we'll get into that. But right. he hasn't played all game. Do you put him in this last defensive possession? Like, I'm look, looking right here. Um, Trey Young got an and one. And right, with the switch on to Keegan. Yes. And the Kings defensive lineup is Davion Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Keegan Murray, and Harrison Barnes. You saw a couple, two possessions in a row where they're attacking Keegan. Yep. Coach talked about this post game like they were attacking what they thought was the mismatch mm-hmm. and it worked. Um, and he was, you know, just saying that like I thought it was a good learning moment for Keegan. He's guarding one of the best players in the NBA in isolation like you know when we saw Keegan get switched on, you and I both are like, "Oh shit, here we go." Yep. Like that's that's just tough. Um, I don't think he did a horrible job, but he clearly was the one they were picking on like do you, if Casey hasn't played all game and then you're down and you need this final defensive possession, like, is he part of that? And who do you take out? Yeah, I understand the thought process because Casey is the best defender. But after not playing for 47 minutes, to ask right. someone to come in for the most important possessions of the ball game and just say, hey, please lock up, be focused, uh, and we really, really need you. It's wishful thinking. I mean, KZ is KZ is someone who doesn't have a lot of professional basketball experience. Period. It's not like this is a guy who's been battle tested. Has been he's been in the fire tons of times and has you know been in these kind of situations. KZ is someone who'd be new to this situation as well. Uh, so you know, I think it's wishful thinking. It's you know, it makes logical sense. You put your best defenders out there for a defensive possession. But I think if you're talking about this specific position possession as well. Yeah, let's say you put in KZ for Keegan. I would argue that Atlanta's just going to run the pick and roll with Kevin Herter's guy instead. Right. And we saw Kevin Herter get exposed a lot defensively tonight as well. I think Herter's worse than Keegan on defense. I, I personally do as well. At least Keegan, we saw, we've seen Keegan show some shot blocking ability, and you know he's got the length he, and size. To, I, to I thought disrupt. that he actually had a pretty solid defensive game. Yeah. Like he I had did those too. two bad possessions at the yeah. end, but. It's isolation. He's a rookie. He's getting right. switched on one of like the shiftiest guys in right. the league. That's just gonna like Who's foul bait. Fouls, exactly. Yes. Um, so it's tough. Like I, I think Very. it's a good learning experience. I will say, like mentally, I'm sure that's a tough thing to process. Of like, you're they're literally saying, "Give yeah, me that guy." Him. Yeah. Um, right. But I'm sure that Keegan's fine. Welcome to the NBA. Um, I'm with you on the KZ thing when it comes to like late in the game. Like I would. I don't know that I'm going to be super critical either way. If he was out there, I would have had my questions of, like, damn, this guy ha- – what you just walked through. Damn, this guy hasn't played all game, and you're putting him out there for the very last possession. Right. He hasn't gotten a feel for Trey Young throughout right. the course of this game or anything like that. Um, but also, if he was out there, I would have understood why, you know. Uh, or if he – since he wasn't out there, like, I – get right. that as well so not too critical either way when it comes to like that final possession I would have played him over Terrence Davis though like Terrence Davis in that first yeah. half I think that's where I'm at with the KZ stuff is like that first half I think that you go to KZ mm-hmm. and then he has played a little bit so going into this fourth quarter final couple right. of possessions then maybe you feel a little bit more comfortable with that 
coach was very much talking post game about uh, he didn't feel like their offense was really getting it done in that second unit, and yeah, that like KZ's not helping with that. He's making it worse for sure. Um, so I, I think that that was the logic there, but I definitely wouldn't have mind seeing more KZ. Um, Terrence Davis minutes were pretty tough. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to look for now. Is just like. You know, Terrence, it was all in the first quarter. He didn't play. Four minutes. He he did not play in the second quarter. He did not play in the second half either. Uh, So all of his minutes came in that first quarter. When he put him in, my initial thought was just, you know, Atlanta's problem guys aren't wings. It's not, you know, you don't expect. I mean, DeAndre is saying that. DeAndre Hunter gave us 22 and hit some of the most important. I mean, he was going crazy in that third quarter uh, when he hit. I think uh, he had 12. He had 12 in that third quarter. Maybe you put him in then, um, but I, I could see the thought process of if you're looking at their scouting report, you don't think DeAndre Hunter's going to kill you. You don't think Jalen Johnson's going to kill you, even though Jalen Johnson was a problem for the Kings in Atlanta, and you don't think A.J. Griffin's going to be a problem. So maybe you're thinking, okay, you know, Atlanta's a little bit more of a guard-heavy team. They got Murray, they got Young, they got Bogey, they got Holiday. Um, a lot of their guys, their problem guys, Shout are out kind of more just he's a guy, he's a small guy, he's getting minutes. Um, so you figure that maybe TD is, you know, th- if you're going to put TD in a game, this could maybe be the one to reinsert him, but uh, didn't didn't end up working out. I think TD ended up with two points. Uh, not necessarily a bad run from TD, but just, you know, not, not super impactful. And I think it was those two fouls. I think KZ's defense would have been – a bigger had had a bigger impact in this game than Terrence Davis's two points, well, two fouls, and they and they had TD go out there and guard Trey, right? You know, like right. that, that was the weirdest thing. Sense. And he got yep. those two fouls. Yep, sat his ass on the bench and didn't get up again. Yep. Um, the other guy who did something similar was Rashawn Holmes yeah. in that first half. Played four minutes. Mm-hmm. Second half, coach decided he wasn't liking what he was seeing and went with Trey Lyles. Um, asked him about it post game and. He just talked about the the offense, actually, that he didn't really feel yeah, like. I thought that was super interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have su- expected it to be that. the offense. Um, the quote I have from Coach Brown is, quote, we just wanted to see if having Trey as the stretch five could bend Atlanta's defense a little bit, just trying to generate something offensively, because not just tonight, but l- last night we couldn't generate much with that second group. Um, obviously the ball movement just is never going to be the same when Domas is right. sitting. But – De'Aaron is – It's I can't recall any minutes where there's no Domas or De'Aaron in these recent games. Uh, they seem to, like, fully be one of them on the floor at all times. Um, but the ball just totally stagnates when Domas isn't yeah. out there. Um, Rich was not very good. He, I mean, Coach said that he did some of the little things they want more, um, but I, I thought that he – had some pretty bad defensive. I'm specifically thinking of one bad defensive yeah, moment in the pick and roll. Right? Yeah, yeah, and he got just totally. It, it looked Him horrible. And both got um, but yeah, Rich not providing enough offense is mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Um, like I feel like that should be his strength. You know, um, right? He's got to give you something, and I think he's given you like one or two. You know, he's had a couple blocks the past couple games, but hasn't really. He he just hasn't really provided multiple things, and it's again to me. It becomes a conversation of what we're trying to get out of the bigs. Do you just your backup big? Do you want someone to continue to do what Sabonis does, which we've talked about the struggle of like there's only 
a handful of guys right. who can be even remotely close to what. And, and what are like the discount options of right. that, like the B version? Like right. a, I mentioned, like Kelly Olynyk, I right. think on the last pod, for example, or like maybe it is fucking Trey Lyles. Right. Like I haven't hated the Trey minutes, you know. Like right. there's guys that can kind of do it, but there's not guys that can kind of do that and play good enough defense. Right. It's like if you're going to try to trade for somebody in this back of five or figure it out, like just to your point, like do you want to? keep up the offense or do you yeah. want some semblance of rim protection does it feel like to you too i feel like we might be building up this backup big as like this great savior you know like once we get a backup big it's mm-hmm. going to unlock something else i just don't really see where the time is for impact i mean you know domas plays 40 minutes tonight you know i think ideally he plays 35 Dude, 34 40, minutes second 40 night of a back-to-back second night of a back-to-back uh, with a broken hand, mind you. Which you don't even fucking realize. Right. And he played 39 last night. Right. He played almost 80 minutes Right. In I think ideally days. they want this backup big to come in and play 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. But... Coach has talked about it in two six-minute stretches. Right. Pretty much. Realistically, how much impact are you supposed to have in that? In it's those not much. Minutes? And it actually, I think they were plus two in the non-Domos minutes right. tonight. Right. You know, like, I think going even is all you really hope for. Right. Like. My my question starts to be like, when do you say okay we're not going to play the same way when Domas isn't out there? Yeah, because you just can't, you know. And or I is think, it too late for that even? Right, like can what you, can, can you, you implement? Reinstall a, you know, or not reinstall? Can you install a secondary offense to go like? Into? Maybe you just pick and roll like De'Aaron and and Rich. You know, like Rich is a pick and roll player, but. Their whole identity is sharing the ball, right. and I think that that does a lot for the other guys on the floor to kind of all be touching it and involved in everything. Like, one, well, how many? Here's the. I think the real problem too is like, how many open threes do you get from just Domas setting screens? Right. Too. It's like nobody else. Sets I think screens, their entire offense. Like, it's not only the fact that the ball doesn't move the same. It's that you don't get the same shots that you're getting. You don't. You know, and it's just it to your point. It becomes a completely different team when Domas is off the floor because you don't see Keegan getting his two threes off of Domas screens. Herder doesn't get open off of screens. There's just not too much movement, both player movement and ball movement. Uh, and you know, I don't really know if that's a personnel issue or if it's more of just like, yeah, like I, Domas is just so incredibly important that you take him off, and it's kind of just like. You know, they're just they're searching. It's like, OK, now is the time for us to be free. And, uh, you know, for whatever I, I, I really can't explain. I, I feel like I'm searching for an answer. But the, the the bigger point is when Domas is not on the floor, they're not the same team and they need whatever the answer is, whether it be getting a, another playmaker in there or getting a different backup big who in this imaginary world that we live in does all of the things Domas does, but on a smaller level. They need to figure it out because this team is not going to be able to succeed if Demonis Sabonis has to be relied on to play 40 minutes in the playoffs because he's going to get hunted in, in games that matter and he's going to get into foul trouble. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off.
Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 What? Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Does that. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. Is the Mezzi thing weird to you? When's the last time we've seen Shimezi Metsu? I'm going to pull this up right now. Like, great question. We're talking about the guess. offense. Because like, uh, I was thinking of like Malik. Man, it's been a long time. Okay, assu- not garbage time because it's a little right. less than three minutes against Washington, a little right. less than two minutes against Memphis. Not counting those, those minutes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight games that nine we games have now. not nine games now that we have not seen Shemezi Metsu. Wow, I'm not a Metsu guy. I'm not gonna lie, but like that's weird to me. Um, it's a common trend, though. I mean, you see, KZ kind of went through a similar thing. TD has kind of gone through a mini stretch of that. I mean, Messi obviously has his flaws. It's a tight rotation. I thought that him and Malik had developed a little bit of something, slightly. Mm-hmm. I think just Malik having that lob threat. And Malik has been bad, just straight up. By the way, like yeah, he's been he bad had that one, he had that here. one big game, uh, thirty three point against performance uh, Denver, off the bench. Right? Yes, I think that was the second Denver game, right? right. Um, yeah, thirty three. He dropped eighteen in Memphis actually, on seven of seventeen shooting, four turnovers in there as well. But there's been a lot of quieter nights from Malik, and mm-hmm. actually his last ten games here, uh, twelve points. 4.1 assists and 2.1 turnovers, 37% from the field, Ugh. 23% from three. Um, Malik's kind of gone MIA. Like, yeah. he, I don't know, he, he had a stretch where he looked like he was going to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And now it's just looking like it's, is it going to be a good night or a bad night? There's not, like, average right. Malik Monk nights, which has been a little bit weird to me recently. Right. And part of me wonders, does that have anything to do with him having a different backup big all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it definitely could because, you know, Malik has, has played a lot. I think he's played really well with Domas, but, yeah, he, he really hasn't found Mezzi. He, he did have a nice little connection with, but he hasn't found his game the past couple of days. And uh, the, the bench in total, really. I mean, we've seen Trey Lyles show the ability to knock down some threes. He really, you know, he's he's been crashing the glass like he's, Dennis freaking Rodman. His rebounding's been insane. But, yeah, I don't know where this came from. No idea. No, it, and it really does feel like it was just a, either Mike Brown really laid into him one day and was like, "You could get, you could beat Dennis Rodman. You can get three offensive rebounds a night, easy, if you just got to crash the glass." And it really feels like something clicked in Trey Lyles, and all of a sudden he's just been, he's been crashing the glass like a madman. So big shout out to him. But uh, we haven't seen him really knock down multiple threes in a game like we've seen him be able to do. Uh, you know, tr- he's back to pump faking. He is back. He is definitely back to pump faking big time, and uh, that could be because he was starting to miss his three point shot. Uh, you know, we haven't seen Davion Mitchell have anything special offensively the past couple games. Uh, it, it's been it's been a rough bench performance from the Kings for really the past couple weeks. Uh, and, you know, Malik Malik is definitely at the head of that. As someone who's who's supposed to be the head of the, the second unit, averaging 15 and uh, just under, f- I think, f- just under four assists a game, um, he, he just really hasn't produced on the offensive end. And we know, like, if he's not producing on offense, he's for sure not, not going to give you much defensively. So uh, it, it's been very starter-heavy 
these past couple games. And and they've the starters have been really good, you know, with the with the up and down nature of Keegan Murray's rookie season. Besides him, I, I think Herter and, and uh obviously Domas and Fox have been really, really good to step up. I think last night in Utah's win the bench had eight points. Yeah. Which is insane. Uh tonight against Atlanta, twenty two from H B. Shout out to HB, by the way. We had a little uh, did. <laughs> fun bet, I guess. No actual money on the line for yeah. what it's worth. Um, coming into the fourth quarter, HB had 16 points, and I jokingly asked you and Frank if he would reach 20. And all uh, we all said no. So shout out HB with his 22. Right. He was pretty really good down the stretch. In the face with that one. Sabonis had 20. Herter had 24. Fox had 25. Herter had uh, a career-high 30 in that second Denver game. Mm-hmm. I want to say the game against Utah yesterday. No, I think it was Utah he had 30. Because okay, it was one, it was, ga- it was one the- game Malik had 33, and then the next That's game right. Herter had 30. Right. It was, the, it was that Utah game where he hit the game winner. Yes. Um, which you pointed out tonight, when Domas got that rebound, oh. Herter was yeah, open. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, do not watch that replay. Herter was wide open right behind him. And it's a known thing with this team and, and every team in the league that, like, yep. one of the best shots you can get in the league is a three after an offensive rebound while the defense is scrambling. Um, also doesn't make sense that they go for two two-point attempts after that. Like, that's – that's I didn't want to get mad at Domas – or not, not mad, but get frustrated with Domas for not finding Herter – uh, on that last shot, but it's like there's four seconds left when when Domas gets that rebound. You have to at that point kind of be thinking, knowing, okay, we're down three. We we have to have a three. A two does really nothing. You're right. gonna get into the foul game. You maybe get a a last possession with about two and a half seconds left. Again, down three. I think getting the off you mentioned yeah the getting it off a uh, three off an offensive rebound is is one of the best shots you're going to get one of the most open looks you're going to get and and they got it and herders wide open off of Domas's left shoulder uh and and just doesn't even look his way and uh we we know how the game ends but uh yeah that was that was disappointing it was a little wild um i think we got to critique our stars a little bit here because mm. we've we've praised them a lot uh talked about Darren being really clutch at the beginning of this yep he did kind of get oh, his lunch money he got stolen. His, his cookies, bro. <laughs> that cookie jar. Dejounte got asked. Dejounte uh, and John Collins were together in media, and Dejounte got asked really? about they it. Did like a they did it together, wow. side by side. Like it was kind of cool. Um, and when Dejounte got asked about it from Tony, um, uh, John Collins was just like cookies. Like yeah. <laughs> it was. And that's exactly what, dude. Yeah. It was a great play by Dejounte. He yeah. goes and gets two points right after. I mean, yeah, that's a seven foot wingspan right that's, there. That's a that's a good ass play. Yeah. Um, how much of it is De'Aaron's just got to be like? How much are, do you look at that and it's like De'Aaron choked? Oh, oh boy. You really want to put the fire under our? No, I, no. I'm not saying he I'm did. Saying I'm just he, like yeah. saying, is that something that crosses your mind? I don't. I think it's fucking Dejounte Murray. You know what I mean? Like the same way that this happened with Lou Dort, like last year, or year right. before, or it's, something. It, it was last year. Um, it was last. Year. And it's like those no, guys that we're talking about are crazy defenders. And sure, everybody right. in the league is going to have not everybody in the league, but there's a lot of those type of guys Man. in the league. Oof. But. I don't know. Like when you see that, you right? Spark something in me, man. Yeah. De- De'Aaron I mean, got ripped hey, at the end, and Domas, 
25 of 25 from the free throw line, tie game, or up one. Domas steps to the line, right. 32 seconds left, right. misses both free throws. Look, man, you're not wrong. And he's a on the season 74.9% from the free throw line on just under six attempts a game. Um, he had been 6-6 six six from the line prior to that. Mm-hmm. The Kings' stars kind of had two really big blunders, yep. missing two free throws from Sabonis. And missed and, the last two shots of the game as well. They I mean, both if you, do. If you, I, 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 I mean, they're I not in the game time, without right. them, obviously, right. but I have they kind of fumbled this one. Yeah, I have a tough time criticizing final shots of the game because you're just trying to get anything you can, but... You know, I, I I feel it feels like De'Aaron wasn't looking around too much on on his final drive. Which I don't really mind too much. I don't mind it, but again, you're down you're down three, and yeah. you're you're really gunning for a two at that point. And I'm like, uh, you know, I I I question the decision of not looking around, and then Domas, you know, De'Aaron straight up short armed it. I know he was getting defended pretty well. I think by John Collins. I thought that both of those could have been whistles. But. Yeah, they definitely could have been. There was a lot of contact, but um, they would have needed to hit the shot anyway for it to matter. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely right. Like, when you look at the the two biggest turning points of this game, it is the, the DeJounte Murray steal. And to answer your question, it definitely, you mentioned the Lou Dort steal last year, and that kind of makes it, a tr- not a trend, but it's something that has happened on multiple occasions. And Turno- c- Turnovers is one of the things that this team struggles yeah, with because their definitely. transition defense right. is so bad. Right. And it's not going to kill you. I mean, not saying the Kings are the Golden State Warriors, but the Warriors in, during their glory years have been incredibly high uh, turnover team. But, yeah, I mean, in those most important moments of the game, like you need to be extra focused and have that extra sense of, like, we really need to protect the ball right now. And, uh it was kind of the theme of the night. Neither team protecting the ball too well, but uh, yeah, you know, Darren, you got to You can't. He, you can't get stripped in that moment. Uh, and he did do a good job of trying to trying to get the offensive foul on the other end on on Murray's layup. But yeah, I mean, you make a great point. At the end of the day, the the Fox strip and and the Domas missed free throws are just they're, they're killers. And it's it was the dagger in the game. The two free throws. You know, I'm. I'm kind of somebody who falls into the they were kind of due at that point. And yeah, when Domas sure. steps to the line. Those could have been two free throws earlier in the game right. we're talking about the same type of thing. Right. You know what I mean? Like Right. And we're, we're honestly probably not even talking about it. We're just like, right. oh, they only missed two free throws tonight. Right. Like, what an accomplishment. Uh, but for them to, to come after they're, they've made 24 straight. 25. 25 straight. And then Wild. for him to miss both. It was uh, – it was due. It was not, you know, obviously he didn't have to miss them. It's not statistically impossible for him to make both free throws. But, uh, you know, I think even Coach Brown said, like, those are the kind of things that happen. You know, you get turned over and sometimes you miss layups. And uh, that, is, that is for damn sure what happened. For sure. Um, I, I think that it's not something that, like, I was going to say it's not something that I'm going to, like, remember for a good stretch here. But I don't know if that's actually true. Like, I don't know. I don't I know. Mean, like you do, brought do up they, the do they get thing. knocked a point for this? The, you know what I mean? Like, is this just a bad look for them at all? And, and I think that, yeah. like, literally, like De'Aaron was a fucking superstar last night, right? You know, and that saves them. Uh, that wins them the game for sure. And they're not in this game again without those guys. Yeah. Um, Fox has been stupidly clutched this year, but like, this could be something that sticks with people. You know that they they have to be better, and usually they are. Like, I, I don't want to be 
super harsh on them because they've been we, we just talked about it they're both all stars you yep. know like the Aaron we'll, we'll see what ends up happening I hope that he ends up getting the nod um, but I, I just think that we have to point out that when when they come up short and I think that's yep. what happened in uh, down the stretch today um, where else should we go with this um you know, Bogey had a good night. Bogey was, was back. This yeah. was only yeah. his second time playing in Golden One Center, right? Which as, makes sense on the opposing it, team. It, it see it sounds crazy, and it kind of is crazy. But when you think about it, had a lot of injuries. I think the last time uh, Atlanta was in town, he was sick last year. Okay, I think he had COVID, uh, so he missed that game. So yeah, this is the this you said the second time Bogey's been back. This is the second time right. his first year in Atlanta, which um, right. there were no fans in the building. So this is the first time Bogdan yeah. has played with Sacramento. So Sacramento Kings fans have not been able to watch Bogdan Bogdanovich play since he uh, left the team, and it was good to see. I mean, I don't think you were covering the team at that point, I was but not. Um, it was Bogey was really fun, and he was uh, he was a surprise, much like Sasha Vizankov. Like they got him in a you know a draft rights kind of. They got the rights to him, and then it was is he going to come to town? And then uh, I think he had a Euro League tournament if i'm not mistaken like the what are the the do they still call them euros euro basket that's what it is uh the euro basket tournament like with the uh with his team though with like his fernabachi team Mm -hmm. not with his national team and uh i think bogey won mvp of that he hit some crazy threes there was a lot of hype coming in and uh he came in and he was pretty solid you know he showed all those things he was a great playmaker here great three-point shooter uh him and buddy were, were really fun to watch at times. It never felt like they could play well on the same day, but uh, you know it was a it was a combo that Kings fans felt like was going to work and could be the future. And we obviously know that that Bogey was the whole Bogey free agency fiasco was kind of the uh, the first move really of Monty McNair's tenure. Uh, and so you know him and you know him and Monty will kind of always be be synced up because of that, but. It was good to see Bogey. You know, he looked like himself. He uh, he hit a couple threes tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he hit three threes, three of seven from three tonight, 17 points off the bench. He was getting shots up in that he first getting, half. Boy, oh, boy. I think he had 10 points yeah. on 11 shots in that first half. Uh, he was feeling himself for sure, but it was it was just good to see Bogey play. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, I think he's a free agent, crazy enough, at the end of this His, year. I think he has one more year. Right. Him and Buddy okay. both. Right. Which is crazy, though. That contract's already up. Already, like, yeah. That was, and that was the beginning of McNair's tenure. Yep. That yep. was his first decision. Yep. Um, I was super critical of it. I mean, I think this team would love having Bogey right now. Um, yeah. But I don't know that, that that's – like, that contract does have question marks to it, or did previously. Um, and now it's – you know, it, it is what it is as it's right. getting down to its final last years. Um you mentioned you mentioned Sasha Vizenkov, by the yeah. way, just signed with his yeah. with his team through twenty twenty five. But and there's a no NBA clause. I didn't but this. The that wording is confusing. The Kings. I'm pretty confident. Tim Maxwell wrote something on something about this on the Kings Herald that will break this down way better than I. Um, but there's still a way that the Kings could get him if they wanted. It just means that this to, this they'd have to pay season. more. Um, right. Yes. Um, yeah, the Kings would just – it just puts the Kings in a position where they would have mm-hmm. to pay more if they wanted to get Vizhenkov over here. And this guy's fucking killing it in the year. I have League, noticed bro. that. I, I have his, I have his numbers right here. Um, 15 games, right? 19.2 points, um, two assists, whatever, um, 7.2 rebounds, 
and this is just under 30 minutes, by the way, that he's playing, mm-hmm. his two-point field goal percentage, 70%. His three-point field goal percentage, 44 and 81, 88% from the line. Yeah. Um, from my understanding, kind of the MVP, MVP favorite in yes. the EuroLeague. Yeah. Like, this guy's a fucking baller, bro. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm really very convinced that he is a good, a really fucking good offensive player. I was, Defensively, uh, I think he's a mess. I was doing some YouTube deep dives the other day, just watching his game and hearing what EuroBasket, you know, what people who follow the EuroLeagues were talking about him. And, yeah, I heard the same thing, that he's kind of like – it's strange because he's almost like a role player, but he's definitely the like like you're saying in the MVP conversation. Uh, super just, interesting. He, I think he, I think of him as like Trey Lyles style. Well, that's he would super come in smart player, slow but like still gets to his spots. So if we're talking about potential future fit, mm-hmm. it is the Trey Lyles role. He's getting Trey Lyles' minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think absolute best case that he could like I, I think that if he came over like I could see him really if he would have came over this season minutes. I think there would have been a conversation of do you play HB at the three Vizankov at the starting four yeah I don't know I will, we'd have assuming to, like, see, he's playing right. like marginally right. the same percentages uh, I think the idealized version of him for sure I mean what is he 26 27 years old like we're not talking about a guy who's gonna have to come in here and and learn about some game At like born he's ninety five. He's ninety five. Okay, so he's twenty six years old. Twenty seven. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he was born in ninety five. I should know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think we're talking about somebody who's playing fifteen. To, well, uh, but that from what what my understanding is is the obstacle of him coming over is he's not going to come over from a place where he's contesting for MVP. He's a guy who wasn't It'd be the money. He was not a Luka Doncic. He's not a dude who was who was a prodigy from a young age and somebody who always knew he was going to be an NBA player. Like this is somebody who has grinded through the Euro Basket, uh, whatever organization. The, he's climbed the ladder to become this level, and for him to finally reach the top, be a superstar, be a superstar in in Europe and in have a very real know. league, right. packed stadiums, like, right. and then for him to come to the states. And then play for what before this season was a perennial loser, right? And not even get a guarantee of minutes. It wasn't even a can this guy get, will he be the backup or will he be the starter? It was okay with all, I mean with Trey Lyles, with Harrison Barnes, with Keegan Murray, with Chemezi Metu, with all of these guys. Was he going to be able to to get minutes? I think now clearly he's developed to the point where he he at least is going to, you know, fight for that backup small or power forward position. But uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that how that saga plays out, because, yeah, he does have uh, he just signed this contract. And so he, in theory, is solid for the next he in his mind. I'm sure he's like, I'm staying here for the next two years unless I get paid. The the only situation in which I'm not going to stay here is if I get paid a ton of money and get a guaranteed role with an NBA team, which is a pretty good backup plan. He's making, I think, something like I, I, I could have his number off a little 000, bit, but yeah, I think it's Im- that or something dollars. like some close to a million dollars yeah. a year dollars because um, I think he's making like right. over a million euros, like one point two million yeah. euros or some something like that. Um, and I mean. Shit, he could be making four million a year right. with the Kings. It it could be a higher number, but to me, like that's the uh, most in. I I'd imagine trying to put myself in his shoes, that'd be the most intriguing thing. That's what I feel like could be the real difference between where he's at now and 
potentially coming over. Um, but we'll see there. Um, what does he help for this current? If he were on, I mean, if you plop him on this current Kings team, you know, I wouldn't say Trey Lyles' minutes have necessarily been a, a weak point. Like, do you think, I mean, his score, obviously bench scoring and scoring in yeah. general is nice to have. And, but he, and he's a really good playmaker. Right. Like, he, he does it He's quick. a great cutter, too. I think he, he would play phenomenal yes. off Sabonis. He plays so good off Domas. Right. Um, I think he's, like, maybe you even play with him at the back of five. His defense is not it at no, all. that's but the like, problem. Um, I, I think it really helps the bench scoring. Like, I almost think of him in a way as, like, HB on offense. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think he's really fucking good on offense. I don't know that it changes much of anything unless he came in and just blew everybody away and was, like, right. starter caliber guy, right? right. Um, do you feel like are – you, are you expecting the Kings to make a trade this – at some point this season, honestly, obviously. no. If no? I had to, if I had to say no, because I think that this, I just think the team might be. It's just not built for a lot. Like, there's not a lot of room for shakeup. If that makes sense, like you trade Rashawn Holmes, it, like I, I don't know. It just it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like their pieces, they don't have tons of pieces to move, and the pieces that they want, I don't think that they can. Like you can't. You can't trade Rashawn Holmes, who's making eleven million dollars a year. You can't trade him for another backup center who's making eleven million dollars a year or whatever. Two player, you know. I, I just don't think you're going to get the the kind of return that you want for the pieces they have. Like, if you're thinking about who are the Kings' most likely and most attractive trade assets, it's Davion it's Davion Mitchell, Mitchell and Keegan Murray. And Keegan Murray, who I don't think. They're in any rush to trade Keegan. Hell and no. I think that they're they would listen to trades for Davion, but I don't think they're in any sort of rush to trade him, especially with the fact that you would then have to replace him. Uh, and then same with the backup big, where it's like you know, really all the backup positions. They, they're I think their starters are totally fine, and I think Malik Monk clearly is you know his struggles his recent struggles aside are are good six to have on your team. It's just kind of. If you're going to shuffle around the three other pieces, you kind of you have to move them with the other low-end pieces on your team. Yeah. I don't know. That's definitely I, the thing is that, like, Rashawn's the obvious one, right? Um, I think Terrence Davis could be intriguing to some people. Not a big contract, though. No, not a big contract. And, like, he'd just be a throw-in. You know, they they got yeah. him for a second-round right, pick. Right. Like, and, and his value is probably not much different at the moment, right? Baggage. Like, like, he has yeah, that legal shit, absolutely. you know? So, I I think that I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I guess HB is the other one, but HB feels like such a big right. part of this team right. that if you the whole issue is if you trade HB, you need another HB, and there's never trades in the NBA that you're trading a certain type of player for the exact same type of player. Like this just doesn't really right. happen because why is the other team wanting to trade their guy for? A similar player, right. like well, like let's even say you trade HB for John Collins, which right. is a trade that's been talked about in yeah. the past a bit. Again, it's kind of like okay, John Collins is a little bit different that does some different things than HB, but if we're talking like caliber of player and impact of player, you know, John Collins had twenty-two points tonight, twelve rebounds. HB had twenty-two score, twenty-two points, four rebounds. I just don't, you know, I I would say they had impact on the game, but you know they weren't 
they weren't deciding tonight's game by any stretch of the imagination. And I think there's a reason why Atlanta. You know, I, I don't, I can't tell you exactly what that reason is. But John Collins has been on the trade block for every single team in the league for the past two years, and he's still on the Atlanta Hawks. And there's right. a reason for that. And I'm not saying John Collins is a bad player. I just think it's kind of like a, it's kind of is like a, a Harrison Barnes situation where it's like, okay, you trade John Collins. And you kind of need somebody who's still at John Collins' level and does a lot of the things John Collins does. So For sure. I, I think that's just going to end up I, – I don't even consider HB as a trade target anymore just because of that exact reason. Like you said, if they're going to trade HB, they still need somebody to fill that starting forward role, and they just don't have that on their roster. I think they will make a trade. Um, a small one, I assume, right? Yeah, I mean, I could see something big, though. Like a like someone being added to their top six. Yeah, yeah. I think I I, I could see it. I don't know that I'm bet I'm mm-hmm. expecting it or anything, but like I could see it. You know, like I think the team is clearly trying to make it happen right now, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean like this year and this year only. Like yeah. obviously, I, I just think of somebody like OG Ananobi, right, or Lori Markinen, or like sure. if Pascal Siakam's on the table, you go fucking get Pascal Siakam. That guy's fucking insane. Um, but I just think those type of guys, like, I think I'd imagine are being considered, you know, and that yeah. conversation is always going to involve Keegan Murray. I'm That's pretty sure. That's the thing is just like, I don't, again, like it kind of goes back to the Kings pieces of like, what are, what are, what are you trading for OG and Anobi? Right. And is it worth it? I mean, is, is OG going to make that big of an impact? I'm an OG guy. Like, I am too. I absolutely am too. Wing, but, def- you know, wing, wing defenders that can... Drop twenty at the same time, like so. But he's straight up one of the best defenders in right. the league. Oh, like. absolutely. I, OG, but OG also comes with his his knee issues as well. And yeah. uh, you know, I'm not trying to just singularly pick on the OG thing, but you know, how else are you, how are you going to get? It's not just going to be Keegan Murray for OG and Anubi. Right. You might have to throw Harrison Barnes in there as well, and then you're losing both forwards. Which for the that price one I don't know that I'm doing right. Like, right. Maybe you try to get them to take Rashawn as well. They need the they center, need a center um, but and they is, were linked to him before. Does the value match though? If you're talking Keegan Murray for OG, Keegan Murray and Rashawn Holmes. No, and, for, and, and you'd probably have to put a pick in there too. Right. Like, which I would really, I would really think about. Um, but I'm a big OG guy, um, and and I like Keegan too. Like everybody thinks I shit on Keegan all the time, and I'm like, just don't like Keegan. Um, it's not the guy I would have picked. Like, but yep. I think Keegan can develop into a really important player for this team and like is the exact type of guy that we've been saying they've needed for for years now um so it's not an easy decision but that's i i think kind of what they'd be facing if they were trying to make a big leap last thing before we get out of here better De'Aaron fox dunk the two-hander on kelly olenic or the one-handed like kind of sideways tomahawk we saw tonight on Onyeka Kongo. I'm gonna give it to tonight's. That Onyeka was fucking Kongo. nasty. The uh, not that the Olenek dunk didn't look like it was on purpose. It just kind of looked like he stumbled into it. Yeah. Tonight he split those two defenders, looked right in the eyes of Onyeka Kongo, and said, "I got it." Bro, and he and I he caught this. that shit back. Like yes. it was that was crazy. Nah. He that threw, was crazy, nah, and he, the split yeah. that you mentioned at the beginning yeah. was slick. And it wasn't even—it wasn't like a tradition. He just like was one of those like I'm gonna Push throw the ball it. out yeah. there and chase it. And uh, yeah, he got it right at the uh, the the corner of the uh, the paint, and he took one, two gather steps and took off. 
and like threw it to your point, tomahawked that shit back and threw it, it was down nasty. on him. Threw it on his head. He had a better, a bigger celebration for the uh, Olenek dunk than than for that one. He just kind of yelled a little bit on. I think on he the, got fouled uh, on the other one, so he was able to celebrate right. a little bit more. Right. In the replay, he definitely screamed his ass off oh, after yeah. the Sonyeko yeah. one. Um, it was pretty nasty, but that's gonna be it. Should um, we read Avery's game notes? Should we read Avery's game notes? Yeah, of course. Okay. I read them every day. All right, Demonis Sabonis tallied another double double, finishing with twenty points, fourteen rebounds on uh, on the night. Tonight's performance marks the fifteenth consecutive double double this season, tying Demarcus Cousins for the longest double double streak in franchise history. In addition, his twenty eight double doubles this season leads the NBA. Good note, Avery. Good note. Jaron Fox guy, earned Avery eleven Jacobs. points throughout the fourth quarter. To end with 25 on the night. So 11 in the fourth for Deeran tonight after uh, 22 in the fourth the other night. His 11 points in the fourth is the 11th time he has recorded at least 10 points throughout the fourth quarter this season. Subsequently, big word, Avery. I like it. I like it. Subsequently, Fox is one of six players this season to record such stats at least 10 times. Shout out to Avery Jacobs. Shout out to Avery Jacobs. My guy. PR wizard. You know, the one other segment, we got to – we got to get more segment names right. going and get a little bit more creative with this shit. But the one that I had before far. was Pulse Podcast or the Pulse Player of the Game. Uh. And so let, let, let's give that out for yeah. today's game, even though they didn't pull it out. Right. Um, and you can take this whatever. I don't it think could it, be either it, team could, too, it could be right? whatever you want. Yeah, right. Um, it doesn't have to be just who was the best player. Right. Maybe there's a fucking play that really got you got you going and you right. want to award it for that. Um but I don't know about your. It could be either either team thing. Yeah. But okay. some nights, some nights. I mean, if somebody cooked the hell out of them. Right. But pulse player of the game for Kings playing a home game against the Atlanta Hawks. Let's go. Let's go with Kevin Herter. Okay. Kevin Herter led. The, I mean, not just because. Oh, he didn't lead the team in scoring. Fox ended up with twenty five. But I thought, uh, you know, when when they were really down bad, down seven in uh, with. Under three minutes to go, Herter hits the two threes. I thought something he's done fantastic all night, and I think a lot of people have talked about it, but even when he hasn't been able to hit threes, which he was today, four of nine from three, his two-point game is just incredible. I mean, it's just as good. And, like, he's still able to find ways to score points even when his shot isn't falling. Uh, he did some of that tonight. I thought he had some good shot, good runners, good uh, good mid-range game tonight from Herter. Um you know, his defense it leaves a lot to be desired, and I thought he he did get picked on a little for for a small stretch of today's game. He does get blown by pretty frequently, but uh, just such you know he hit some big shots tonight. So I'm gonna give it to Kevin. And I'm I'm sure it was like a little the game probably meant a little bit more exactly. to him, right? You know, like right. it's his former team, right? Um, and he said they look really similar in post game. He he was kind of <laughs> laughing a little bit. He stopped short of saying they run the same shit. Yeah, and I knew uh, what they were he, running. He literally he said that like they were. Yeah, that they were saying the names. Right, and like clearly he's saying <laughs> I know what they're <laughs> fucking know. running. Like, um, I got that. I, I think like, the question was like, how similar are they? They're yeah. like, he's like, they're very, very similar. similar. Like they're like, doing the exact same <laughs> shit. They don't give a fuck yeah. that I'm on the other team. He's like, I don't know. Trey still dribbles the air out of the ball. <laughs> not did, really, like, not really. But he, he I, I trust. He that's trusts my Trey translation. You know, right? Who do you trust least on the Hawks? Um, <laughs> Have you told that story on the? Pod? I definitely posted it. Posted the clip on Twitter, but. Uh, I guess real quick on That's media day, 
I wanted to be the one asking like a fun question and put together this like montage of it, right? Like this is definitely because not long ago I had watched that video of is it Stefan Diggs? Oh, when yeah, everybody the, in the yes, yeah. Vikings locker room <laughs> gets asked who would you least like to date your sister? Right. And everybody says Diggs. Yep. And I thought it was a hilarious clip, right? Yeah. That clip totally popped. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask like a fun question at media day. Right. It didn't go how I wanted, uh, but I asked a couple guys. My question was gonna be, who do you trust least with the ox? Ox cord, ox, auxiliary ox cord. cord, which apparently like I thought that that wording would be understood. It is, it is There's, right? Yeah, some people answered it quick. Malik got it right away. Uh-huh. Uh, Quinn Cook, who was there at the time, got uh-huh. it right away. Um, and and I don't remember who the answers were. I want to say Malik said Chima. Um, somebody said KZ. Somebody said K. Herder ended up saying KZ because he said he only plays future, right. which is hella funny. Um, I forget who else got got shouts, but when I went to ask Herder, <laughs> I said, "Who do you so trust least on the ox?" And that sounded quickly like even playing it back, it sounds like I said, "Who do you trust least on the hawks?" <laughs> And right when I asked him the question, he was like, I can't his, answer that. Bro, he started laughing. Face, yeah. His face, like, froze. He's like, the fuck, like, this guy dropped. really just asked like, me that? Like, and he just, like, smiles. And he's like, I can't answer that. And I was like, <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, you were hella well, I was like, why? Like, and, and he's like, no, I think no, no. Like, he was like, I, I can't, like, I can't answer. I was like, who do you, he's like, who do I trust least on the Hawks? And I'm like, yeah, like, what's up? What's up? Yeah. Like, and I didn't catch that he said Hawks when All he right. said it back to me. Um, and then eventually, like, he's just looking at me hella confused. Like, no, I can't answer that. I was like, some people said Malik. Some people said Chima. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, who do you trust? He's like, oh, the ox cord. And then he's, <laughs> I thought you said hawks. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Uh, then I posted it. Right. And everybody was like, you know what you were doing. Yeah, right. You know we what were you were doing. Gotcha, journalism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, you said. I'm like, no, here's, like, the other fucking clips. Right. I was asking everybody this. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, but in the other ones, you said, who do you trust least with the ox? For herders, you said on the ox. I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. I planned I that shit. I wanted that to happen. Um, but that was that was definitely hella funny from, yeah. from my point of view. I'm at, like, that was great. I think the funniest nice thing that joke. ever could have happened is that I asked, who do you trust least on the ox? And he's just like, Trey Young. And Trey I'm like, Young. no like, question. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And then I realized later um, it, w- it would have been pretty funny. But, yeah, but the answer was, uh, was Trey Young. Aaron is true. It just is. Who who do you trust least on the Hawks? <sighs> who do I trust least on the Hawks? It might be Frank Kaminsky for me. <laughs> King's legend. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was almost gonna say Trey, but you know what? He he has been pretty dynamite for them, even like even in Any the playoffs, smart. especially. It's just yeah, I mean he he's a. I almost called him a dirty offensive player, but it is just like he he plays the James Harden like his I'm playing the like game inside. Me. Oh my god, bro! His hair is wild. His bro. hair is just it's. Atrocious. Have you seen? By the way, have you seen the KD hair? Like lack how, thereof. How patchy yeah, that is getting. yeah. He's it's got he's got like the Manu. Pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty crazy. That's because he don't brush his hair. Um, who do I trust least on the Hawks? I guess I don't know. I guess a Kongwu, like I don't know. I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an Kongwu guy. How dare you? I like Inyeko Kongwu as well, but uh, you know he he hasn't been quite what I would have thought he'd be. You know yeah. he's been in the league for I think this is his third year. 
I know him and Lamelo went to Chico, Chino Hills together. Right, they and they were, were in the same, same draft right. class. So I think this is year three. Right. Um, because that's all. Well, that's also Tyrese, right? Right. So yeah, year three. I would have expected him to be just a a better, more physical presence. He, I think it hurts he, that he he's like six size. eight, six nine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think if he would have been six eleven, he would have been a real like Montrez Harrell kind of. Pro- honestly, a lot like Clint Capella. Uh, but he just kind of doesn't provide the size and the 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 leaping ability that I would have thought. And I do think him and John Collins are a little bit redundant, which probably doesn't help him. But uh, I, I kind of expected a lot more out of Nyeko Kongwu. Big stretch for the Kings right now. Huge. This was the first of a one, two, three, four, five game homestand. Yep. Um, they'll go on the road for two games and then come back for four more home games. But just listen to these next opponents. Yeah, these, this is really the start of the easy streak, in my opinion. Saturday, they play the Lakers at home. Monday, they play Orlando at home. Yeah. Wednesday and Friday, they play the Houston Rockets at home. Need both those. They go on the road on Sunday, uh, the 15th, and play in San Antonio. They go t- from there... Um, Three days later, on Wednesday the 18th, they are in L.A. to play the Lakers once again. And then they come back home and on the 20th play OKC. Second night of a back-to-back, the 21st, they do play Philadelphia where it gets a little tough. Memphis, Toronto um, after that. But these next seven seven of L.A., Orlando, Houston, Houston, San Antonio, L.A., OKC – how many games do they have to win? Like, if they Eight. don't reach what mark, That's is it depressing? Question. Five. It's got to be five and two or worse. Or better, I should say. You have to win at least five of those seven It's just games. a big ask. It's real, it, it is if you're talking about your normal level of competition. Right. But if you're talking about two games against the Houston Rockets. These teams are not it. You're probably going to, like, no, you, you know. Th- you win, logic, win both those fucking games. You need like, to win both those games. Yeah. San Antonio, you can't let that one slip. That San Antonio is not a good team. The Kings are better than them on the road. They need to step it up. The Laker game, I could see. You know, there's always a, a weird energy for Laker games. It's typically a fifty-fifty split. They beat them last, pretty comfortably last they time. They did beat them comfortably. Braun was out tonight with a with a non-COVID illness. Oh, really? Maybe he isn't ready to go by Saturday. But assuming he is, you still we we saw them come in with pretty much the same squad. Uh, what was that? A couple a week and a half ago or so. No AD, still not going to have AD for this one. Uh, the, the Kings need to beat the Lakers, but I could see them dropping that one. Uh, and then OKC is a team that, hey, you saw the other night, they dropped 150 on Boston. Fucking wild. If you're not going to be ready for and that was without Shea. Without was Shea, it really? That was oh, without shit. Shea. They dropped 150. Oh, so shit. that's a team, OKC, where you can't. And, and the Kings, you mentioned the Lou Dort steal. Last season, granted, the Kings were not to the same level that they were last season. But you, go, if you go in against that OKC team expecting an easy night, especially if if Shea isn't going to go in, in the Kings game either, they're they got some people. Okay, they got some problems, and uh, you know Josh Giddy will give you a triple double just as easily as Domas will. So uh, they 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 are definitely not a team to overlook. But you got to leave some margin for error. So I'm going to say five and two. But realistically. This team has the talent to go 7-0. and They really do. And they if won seven games in a row earlier this year. They just need to focus. And that's really the thing. And, and Coach Brown talked about it tonight, and I think it's something that, uh, you know, it's you, you kind of forget about a lot. But it's a night-to-night thing. It's not a you, – you can look back and say, yeah, the Kings won seven in a row against inferior opponents. That's, that's what they should have done. 
But in reality, you need to show up every single night and you need to take care of business. And we've seen, like you mentioned, the Kings have gone on a seven-game win streak earlier in the season, but you need to show so, – so they do know what it takes to have that, that level of focus, but do you have the level of focus to do it again in the middle of the season as you're you know, kind of still trying to figure things out and you're still not in the clearing of, of being uh, a, a, above 500 ball club? They're three games above 500 right now. If you go three and three in this little stretch, you know, you mentioned the, the teams that they have – after this seven-game stretch, you got the Philly. You got you got some hard teams coming after. You could just as easily find yourself back at five hundred and struggling if you can't take care of opponents that you're supposed to fucking beat. They should. I, I think five is totally reasonable. I think that if it's anything below four, it's a total fucking oh, it's a mess. Total mess. Like it, it. Right. I think We're they talking, could do yeah. four and like. I don't know. Four and three is tough, actually. Like you can't come away that close to five hundred on this series. Right. I think you're right. I I think it is five and two, and I think it's realistic. Like you said, they genuinely could go seven and zero, and I wouldn't even be all that surprised. Um, So that's where we're at. Um, What's the uh, if you could pull up real quick? What's the Kings' record against teams below five hundred? I know you uh, you tweeted that out the other night, but I know they have they have a pretty damn good record against teams under five hundred. Eleven and four. Eleven First and, four, and below so they were eleven and three going into tonight. That you you add a loss. Wow, Atlanta was below five hundred. They were. They're like three games below five hundred. So and then there's those two losses that were the Kings um, ten and seventeen, Washington and Charlotte. Charlotte. Those were fucking horrible losses. Those were actually like those made me start questioning this team a lot more than I was. I was I was feeling real good before those, but. I think the yeah. other side of that is, like, you just had that happen to you twice. Don't let it – make sure it doesn't right. happen again. But, exactly. you know, when it happened the one, you shouldn't have let it happen a second time so anyways. Now three times in two weeks that the Kings have lost to teams under 500. Pretty wild. After and only the, losing the one, one the entire season. Yeah. That that being, Atlanta shouldn't be in that, like, category. Was that one you know loss what I mean? that they had to a team under 500? It was probably, like, very beginning of the year when They started against team, Portland, the Clippers – the Warriors are the Warriors under five. It no. might be the Warriors. Well, the it's, Warriors it's what their record was at the time, right? Oh, okay, um, gotcha. So, I think that's where it's probably some team okay. at the beginning of the year. Like, right. it could be the maybe the Clippers were zero and one heading into their game. Or yeah, something, right? I, I can probably check really quick. I mean, yeah, the, uh, the Clippers were two and zero. The Warriors were two and one. Did Portland possibly play a game before the Kings game? No, they were one and zero. Interesting. Uh, it might be this Miami game actually. Miami was four and five. Uh, they were four and four going into that game. Interesting. But yeah, anyways, it it was this uh this Golden State game. The Warriors were four and six at the time. This is right. the one where okay. the 50 Curry point. dropped forty seven. Right. Yeah. Oh, so that's not the ninety point half. No, this game. is the thirty seven okay. uh, gotcha. point this was fourth in, quarter in uh, Golden One. This is in Chase, actually. Um, really? Oh, that's right. They played two at Chase, and then this one is the at one that they like. What was this one? But Curry had forty seven, um, and they had thirty seven as a team in the in the fourth quarter. But those are those. Four losses to teams below 500. Um, and teams at or above 500, the Kings' record as of right now 
compared to 11 and 4 against teams below 500, teams uh, 500 and above 12, mm. or I'm sorry, 9 and 13. Yeah, which um, isn't great. No, but it's also fine. Like, you're right. a middle-of-the-pack team, yeah. if we're being real. You well, know? yeah, none of the teams ab- uh, below them have a much better record against teams above 500. The, the Phoenix right. Suns, who are in eighth place right now, are 11 and 12 against teams above 500. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, everyone above them has a, re- has a winning record against teams above 500. So it seems like the Kings are right about where they should be. Yeah. And after tonight's loss, 20-17 and 17 mm-hmm. this season, uh, still sitting at the fifth seed in the Western Conference. You're tied with the um, L.A. Clippers for that, four games out of first. Um, the top three are pretty are solidifying themselves a little bit ahead of the pack with Denver, Memf- Memphis, and New Orleans. Excuse me. And then uh, the Kings are a game and a half behind the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they are also only three games, three and a half games out of the 12 seed. So this Western Conference race is getting real tight here, and we're going to kind of see who can and can't solidify themselves in in different brackets here. And this is an opportunity in these seven games for the Kings to kind of try to do that. So we'll see if they're able to pull it off. Um, I think that's it. I think that's going to do it. Yeah. Um, Good bow. Thanks to everybody for listening to this episode. Definitely take a look at the Kings Herald to uh, and all the great guys and gals that write for that site. Some of my favorite people in the world. Um, take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple days.